0: Amazing. <laughs> Are you going to eat? I'm going to eat, man. I'm going to be on the second round. I thought we all finished. <laughs> Didn't you think
1: we finished? Jeet's done. I'm done. Uh, I'm not done. Good. I like to enjoy Get my me. food, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> not really. I watched you, you no, shovel. No, it I'm like a vacuum cleaner. You're going to eat a yeah, lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I enjoy yeah, it exactly. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Today, we are drinking Montauk's and celebrating what I feel is summer. It is nice outside. I'm hoping for summer because I hate spring. You do? I hate spring. What? All I do is sneeze, man. I right,
1: hate The whole The whole thing.
0: Hates
1: spring. I hate spring. I've always hated spring.
0: Ever, ever? because
1: you sneeze. Because so I you sp- hate allergies. I you don't hate, hate spring. Well, okay. So I like the fact that it's not cold. I like the fact that you know, this you know, the stuff is budding outside and all that. But oh my god, it's miserable for like five weeks. I'm just miserable. Really? Oh yeah. Horrible. Well, why don't you get like
0: some medicine? I have it. It barely works. Get just you can get a shot. No, it helps yeah, your allergies. Yeah, yeah, for I, real. I don't think so. I don't buy it. It's true, really. Yeah, you. But you got to get like a shot a, a week for like seven weeks. That's horrible. I'm not going to do that. But then you're good.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be miserable. Yeah, yeah I'm just, <laughs> <I'm> just going <laughs> to complain for five weeks for the rest of my life. I like it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: What are we talking about?
1: Um, let's see here. Uh, so the first thing. Let me. Let me. I want to play you guys something. No boy. We haven't play had a guess. clip in play a while. Play you guys a clip here.
2: Um, I'm sure some people have heard about this, but let's play it.
0: Okay, clip of the day.
2: The North Koreans are always interested, not just uh, Kim Jong-un, but his father uh, before him, We're always interested in trying to get Americans to come to negotiate to elevate their uh, status and their position. So negotiations are critical, but they have to be part of a broader strategy, not just thrown out on a tweet some morning that, hey, let's get together and you know, see if we can't get along, uh, and maybe we can, you know, come up with some sort of a deal. That doesn't work. He certainly uh, interfered in our election, and it was clear he interfered to hurt me and to help my opponent. And if you chart my opponent and his campaign's um, statements, they quite coordinated with the goals that that leader who shall remain nameless uh, had. And ask yourself this, within an hour or two of the Hollywood Access tape being made public, the Russian theft of John Podesta's emails hit WikiLeaks. What a coincidence.
0: So, who was it? Who (laughs) was (laughs) it? play
1: a guessing game all right so hillary clinton she was just interviewed um at a women's leadership conference a couple days ago um and so one of the things that she said and and i'm kind of like sick of talking about rehashing the election but it just happens to be i mean she's she's come out of the wood she's come out of the woods uh literally um to to give this interview um and she says, later in that interview, she says, and here I'm going to quote, the reason why I believe we lost were the intervening events in the last 10 days. If the election had been on October 27th, I'd be your president. Um, and later on, she she goes on to cite Nate Silver, saying that as Nate Silver said, that right. if, if we had the election on October uh, 27th, I'd be your president. Never mind that Nate Silver on election day gave Hillary Clinton a 70% chance of winning. Um, so I'm not sure what, also, what the vote of conference. He also on, uh, said that uh, Donald so, Trump had no chance to get right, in, into the into the big one. Right, right, right. So uh, let's let's just sort of recall that. But so, what's his name? James Comey came back today, um, and he was interviewed on Capitol Hill for for a Senate committee. And he said, uh, what is the quote? He said, he said that he was, quote, mildly nauseous when he, at the charge that he swayed the, the election in the favor, or in any favor, right? Um, so I just want to sort of ask the question here. So Hillary's got all these talking points, right? That, that you know, there's coordination, um, there's too many coincidences for it not to be coordinated, uh, and that the FBI was basically acting in, in, in bad faith. And Comey's coming back and saying, this is absolutely not the case. Um, it just is the case that, because this was such an important uh, investigation that I had to sort of explain myself, right? Explain the nature of this investigation. Um, and then finally, Hillary came out and said that uh, she's now joined the resistance. Um, was the last part of that interview. Um, so I just want to ask, what do, you, what do you make of Hillary coming out and saying all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and what about Comey's
0: response? I've got a lot of thoughts about this. Part. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 first of all, just sick of talking about the emails. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of talking about how she lost or what they want to blame it on. Um, I don't think you can point it to one thing. I don't, I don't think the emails helped her. They definitely hurt her. Um, but I would argue that you put yourself in a position to be hurt by these emails in the first place. I would also put that that is there's a million factors we could talk about uh, why people didn't like you. I mean, you still lost to Donald Trump. Like you still lost to somebody who those tapes about grabbing the you know what came out. Like you still lost to that guy. So clearly it wasn't just. Uh, everyone loved you, you had this uh, 90% chance of winning because the country was rallying behind your message and then this thing came out that they're investigating you and everybody just went away. No, like a lot of people didn't even come out for you. That's how um, unenthused they were. So I'm I'm just kind of sick of hearing about these emails, you know? I have a feeling we're never going to stop hearing about
1: not only the emails but also the... The questions around Comey and the questions around Putin, um, because it's actually a testament to the lack of power the Democrats have. Sure, right? That that actually, the fact that they're still harping on this is an index to how weak they are, right? That that because it's all they have. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't have. A ground game going forward. they're going to get creamed again um, in in 2018. Right, right in in the midterms they're, they're going to get destroyed. Um, uh, they be, because they're they're undermining their own candidates often, right? Um, and I mean, here's the weird thing is is that you know Hillary is now coming out and is going to be a vocal participant in <laughs> the so-called resistance, right? Right. Um, is that really going to gain a lot of supporters? I mean, this this is this is the this is the weird thing that 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 in terms of just pure political strata, I'm talking about cynical numbers here, right? How do you gain numbers? How right. do you gain? Because it's all in the end. It's just how many? How do you gain numbers in strategic places to win? Right. Um, as we have seen, she's kind of kryptonite. Sure. Right. So what? And but like there, you. I don't know if you. You heard the crowd cheering, cheering her on. It's like just like this sort of bubble, you know. They talked about this bubble. Well, if she's brought back in, and now we also, last we talked about last week, Obama is doing his thing on these the speaking sure. tour. These are the two, you know, most name recognized important people in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is going to be just, you know, utterly destroyed. So, part of me, in terms of long-term thinking, thinks it might be a good thing, <laughs> like that weirdly, that it might take Hillary Clinton, you know, trying to sort of reignite her leadership role in the Democratic Party, to just show how bankrupt uh, the Democratic Party is, yeah. and then e- either there's a hostile takeover, right, or there's a third party, yeah, right, That's, great. You know? Wonderful. Yeah. Th- but that's that's kind of like that's where we're I mean,
0: that's like a very dark way and and and
1: unfortunate it happened to the strategy. Republicans,
0: dude. They just they rallied behind the far right message. I mean, that that's been happening for I don't think Bush won uh his supporters are like Trump supporters. I mean, that party, the crazies who wanted nothing to do with crossing the aisle and working with the democrats stuck to their message grew that the foundation of their radical party and they're in control right now um ted cruz would have been number 2 he's about as radical as it gets when it comes to the right and that is that is a far far swing from um even bush to his first time around i mean these are this is a guy who was not having this kind of message i mean they want. And the, the problem with our party is, or not our problem, is that with the people that are like tag, hashtagging the resistance, like the resistance started before Donald Trump won. The rest of the Democratic Party just wasn't with it. And so their resistance is against Trump. Where the real resistance in the party is against politics and the same old bullshit. Mm-hmm. So there's actually two resistance going on right now. There's the one where like Ellen DeGeneres is having George W. Bush the come on her show. Right. That's that's the Hillary Clinton resistance. They, and she will join that and she'll have her fo- her followers that will blindly lead her into another war bombing. And then you have the other resistance, which is fuck all of you. Here's a set of principles that you must check off for us to get behind you. And if you have any of these, we just can't support you. And that resistance is the real resistance that I'm behind. Okay. Um, I'm going to push back on one thing that you said. I sure. totally agree
1: with your you know, um, splitting of these resistances. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> but um, again, the notion that Donald Trump and the people who have brought him to power um, are... The lunatic fringe coming to the center um, and 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 taking power. Um, If we just go back, and we'll just go back to um, the George W. Bush administration. So Mm -hmm. the George W. Bush administration, um, they described themselves as engaging in compassionate conservatism, right? Right. Right? That was their sort of tagline. That you know we're conservatives, but we're not angry about it, and we're going to sort of, you know, we feel pain and things like that. So kind of like taking. Um, a page out of Clinton's book, right? That Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, that is, um, who was very much around, like, I feel your pain, even though he did all these terrible things that <laughs> to sort of, like, destroy welfare and put block people up. Um, but but he spoke those words, right? So, so they did that, too. But as we all know, what they also did was start wars, add tax cuts to the rich, um, and basically allow a banking system to careen to the biggest financial crisis since the Great Depression, right? And all of that would be uh, sort of resolved on the backs of middle and lower class taxpayers, right? So that's compassionate conservatism for you, right? Warfare abroad, a war on the poor at home. Um, And so what I think uh, with Donald Trump, there's actually not A real shift in the Republican Party. That's why they're kind of comfortable with him. That's why people are working with him. Um, That's why, you know, once he became, you know, the candidate, everybody got on board, right? Everybody got on board and and backed him. Uh, You've got creatures of the Republican mainstream that defend basically everything that he does. Um, And you know why? Because, in, you know, the darkest corners of their minds what he's doing, they actually wish for. They just didn't dare say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually don't... I just... I, he's like the Republican id. Right? Yeah, but if you, <laughs> you know, look at like, the
0: first round of the the primaries, the party was not behind him. I mean, they thought he was a joke. So it's like, what I'm talking about is not the not the voters. The, vo- the voters, anyone that can vote that way is got to couple layers of racism in them that's that they they know is there but the party was not the party was at least trying to lie and pretend the party establishment was also
1: um in their own way just like the democrats who were so sanguine about you know hillary obviously winning this election i think the republican establishment also thought there's no way that this you know Carnival clown is going to beat established Republican figures in in the primaries. Of course, he did, and it wasn't that his ideas were so out of bounds. It was just his personality was not sort of you know country club, um, and and I think now that he's actually governing, everything that he does, they're actually for gutting provisions
0: for protect sure, sure, workers sure, sure, sure. but that's cuz uh, now that they're control they now they're controlling his policy no but but, but the- he won with this message one we're building a wall two we're getting rid of all illegal immigrants three the chinese are stealing all your jobs and and their currency inflators uh, you know four we're in all these stupid wars we can't fight any wars anymore we need other people paying for them so like he he his message was super extreme. There's no other Republicans up there talking about a Muslim ban till till he started to bring that up. I mean that's like a and like no one was talking about a wall. They but, were all fighting him on but that. But they all jumped on
1: it right away. Well,
0: that's cuz they saw that like this is what I'm saying. I'm saying the the voting base is what they jumped on. And the voting base is not the party. I when I talk about the party, I'm saying the people that govern that party that Go after the policy, and all I'm saying is that I think th- their their far right base, which would be equivalent to our far left base, which is, are the Bernies and the and the Warrens, they're way tougher than us because they pull other Republicans in and they all buy into the message. Where on our side, we have like such a split that I I don't remember feeling in my paying attention to politics lifetime. I don't. I haven't seen that yeah. the Republicans right. You know, they jump on board to those values.
1: Well, I th- that's what I'm saying. And they're extreme. That, that I think they're extreme, but I think they're eminently tolerable for the right, right? Because th- it's kind of like well, I think we learned. It's, that. it's not. It's not like. Um, I, mean, I don't
0: think ten years ago we thought every Republican would want a Muslim ban and build a wall. Oh, in I Mexico. sure absolutely. Really? Absolutely. All right, the, not ten years ago. That's George Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I mean, that, that, that's the thing is that I, th- <laughs> I think. I think. Um, Anything after Bush, people like now that Trump
1: is in power, everybody's looking um, back with the George Bush administration. I was like these halcyon days. Right. Like his administration was a disaster. You know, it it was an absolute disaster. The fact that he got reelected was an even greater disaster. I mean, that was like a testament that if this guy can get reelected, George W. Bush. um, Right. Donald Trump is a tactical decision at that point. Right? It's not strategic, sure, <laughs> right? Sure, right? Sure. It's just, just just sort of one little move further, right? Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, you know going back to the Democrats, um, they, you know, I don't want to talk about the election anymore like that, but I just think they're never going to let up, right They're never going to let up. Um, and in the end we should uh, perhaps just let them go. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to drink with that.
0: What else you got for me? All
1: right, um, so this is a very... Different topic. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's I guess it's political because it's kind of it's about free speech. Um, so there's not a well-known journal, but I guess a well-known journal enough for some corner of academia called um, Hypatia Feminist Philosophy Journal. All right. Um, in that journal, mm-hmm. this philosopher from a small college in Memphis. Rebecca Tuvel, wrote an article called In Defense of Trans Racialism. And... What? Yeah, okay. Let me explain it. Alright? What? So, remember Rachel Dolezal? Yes. Right? So the whole argument that she's making is that because, and here's how it goes, because we agor- accord people who are transgender um, the sort of Due rights and dignities because they have identified with a gender different from what they were assigned at birth, right? And maybe how they've lived much of their lives. Um, and because we've basically designated gender as a socially constructed category and therefore is mutable, um, and because most of academia also sees race as a social category that was historically constructed and is therefore also mutable, um, that it is legitimate to identify with a race different from Got your it. Uh, Got it. You know, Got original it. categorization at birth and perhaps how you lived your life. Uh-huh. So in other words, Rachel Dolezal's legit, right? That's, that's kind of the upshot of the argument, that if you're going to say that people who are transgender are, are legitimate, right, that, that, that their identification should be respected, Um, their self-identification, that it's equally the case that somebody like Rachel Dolezal should be uh, respected. She, right away, there has been a letter coming out, attacking the journal, signed by 400 academics, saying that they should retract the article, um, have attacked all of the editors, and she's getting death threats um, for having written this article. Um, a number of charges, whatever, um, and all these sort of philosophy blogs and stuff like that have gone through the arguments and I'm not going to rehearse them here, but effectively what the philosophers have said is that on philosophical grounds in terms of scholarly citations and stuff like that, her work is legitimate, right? So it's basically people don't like the argument,
0: right? Right.
1: Right. Um, And so we see a lot of this going on, like college campuses where there's a speaker coming, people don't like them, and students, you know, go and protest um, and don't let them speak, right? Because those, and the argument is, is that those are ideas that cause discomfort, pain, indeed, even violence to historically subjugated communities, right? Um, So... I got pretty strong feelings about this. I I I'm I'm not no anybody who calls themselves a free speech absolutist is lying um, because I will push them and say I bet you wouldn't show pornography to your children, right? So you're not an absolutist, right? So there is some, there's, there's always some censorship, right? Right. Um, but in terms of these types of situations, I I I feel like I'm really far apart from the youth. And I always sort of think, I'm like, is it my age? Am I, am I not getting it? Am I missing something here? Um, that, you know, am I just sort of steeped in, you know, as they would say, like privilege that I do not even know about. And therefore, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> why um, these people should be shouted down and not allowed to talk. Um, you know, there's a whole, Berkeley, Middlebury, there's been a whole string, you know, of places, right? right? So what do you think about this? So basically, I mean, there's effectively uh, a witch hunt going on for this woman right now yeah. who wrote the article. The, the editors published a letter apologizing for ever having published it right. and the pain that they've caused for publishing it. Um, and everybody's just sort of piling on. Right. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, man. This is the left, by the way. I know. This
0: is the left. Um, I'm kind of with her. I kind of agree with her. I mean, you're just asking, like, let's just be clear. This is just my opinion based off of what you just put forth. Uh, But it makes sense. It completely makes sense to me. I mean, if you can, if you can scientifically say that these people who are born male, but think they're females are females, like they're psychologically females. Why? I mean, a psychological uh, diagnosis that it's all, I don't know. It, I don't even think how, it, I don't even think how it's could scientific. could you split hairs, right? I don't that. even think it's scientific. I think
1: it's the notion um, of identity. It's it, with philosophy and sociology and stuff like that. They have got all these sort of theories of identity, yeah. identity formation, and it's always the sort of traffic between social categories that are prefabricated before you ever came to the earth which then you have to deal with once you're born yeah. and then how you identify with them. And then sort of the, the question is that once you've slipped out of or feel that you have slipped out of your you know given category, uh, should it be respected, right? And so the argument is that, yes, you should right. respect the individual, right? Um, and I don't know. It's a pretty strong argument where that if you think that most of the categories on, on which we operate are socially constructed and are therefore you know, there can be some fluidity. Right. Um, why, well, is, why, why is Rachel Dolezal the devil and transgender people
0: not? Here's why. Because there's a certain amount of pain that we're all familiar with that we know, whether you're a racist or not, that uh, black people have have gone through, right? There's a certain amount of like history and knowledge that comes with a pain that has literally just to do with the skin color and, like, what they have, a people have been through. And with a transsexual or transgender, uh, there's not that kind of pain because you're male and you're female. I don't, I don't think all women go through this pain um, of being enslaved and, and, and not, you know, like, there's arg- gender arguments to be made, but, you know, I think in, in this country, what especially black people have gone through um, and what they're still going through, and we've never really done anything to like kind of say we're sorry, other than free them and hold them down. I think there's a defensiveness that comes with that. I think if you if you were if if we were all truly equal, nobody would give a shit. If you wanted to say you were black because you felt black and you identified that, if there's no pain that's come with that, no one would care. But there's just a defensiveness of like you you know identifying with black is like just because you do, you still aren't going to go through what I'm going to go through. Like if you walk into a job, you're actually still white. So the pain that I still feel towards it, you can never feel. And I think that's why people are like extra sensitive about this. Okay.
1: So I think they're wrong. All right. I'll put the counter to that. And, um, which is, you know, I'll just think of like my students now. Should I hear them talking in the halls and stuff like that? and all the girls who are like 14 are
0: starting to get catcalled when they walk down the street out, out Don't compare women. Right? right? Don't, don't compare women go through to what black people have gone through. No, no. Okay. There's a listen, much different, you know. Listen to in, me. Just white women? Let, 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 okay. let, let,
1: listen. Hear me out here. Hear me out. <laughs> Sexism exists. Sure. Sexual violence, the threat of a woman walking home alone late at night sure. is something that no man is going to feel.
0: No, but black right? women have that and other stuff okay, on top okay, of it. Okay, So that's what I'm saying, is that what black men have gone through is is to me on the same level of everything you just said, which I'm never going to go through. So I understand that. But to you, everything you can put on a woman, you then put more stuff on if it's a black woman. So all I'm saying is that being black brings a set of sadness that even white women don't understand if they're in comparison with a black woman that's gone through the same stuff they've gone through, uh, that you could, you know, not considering color. So that's my argument is that there's an extra layer of defensiveness and sensitivity to that, which I understand emotionally, but logically speaking, they're wrong. I understand why they feel that way, but they're wrong. So let's take the most famous transgender
1: person out there, which is Caitlyn Jenner. Sure. Right. And, so there's somebody, uh, she came up as a male figure yep. um, on the Wheaties box, you know, well, sure. well known, rich, and so on. Um, and basically the argument goes here is that isn't it the height of privilege to then having not going, gone through things that women grow, growing up, yep. right? all of the sort of scary things that happened to women growing up, yep. um, to then uh, make this switch and demand uh, this recognition while also saying that doesn't apply for the category of race. right? And so sure. I get the argument. American history has accorded, um, you know, um, a huge emphasis on you know race and 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 sort of ter- determines a lot. You know, then again, women haven't been able to vote until 1918, right? You know, right. so so so. Um, no, I I'm with you. You know, you know it's so I'm like, saying emotionally, so it, I understand. It's, it's like weird. It becomes this pain Olympics.
0: Well, who, that's who, what it is. Who, yeah. Who has suffered
1: <laughs> the most historical pain? What? Can we quantify that? And then is that then the basis for? According recognition for identity.
0: Um, no, but what I'm saying is I think we all just need to, to understand in this country right now, all of our problems that we want to identify when you put also black on top of that, it's a different category. So yes, the, the, the pushback to, uh, like a Caitlyn Jenner, there was a lot of people that just came out in defense of Caitlyn Jenner. Um, there's a bit of a rally behind transgender people because it's becoming more um, talked about and accepted, but also like it's being being celebrated by white people, right? Right. So I just feel like I. <laughs> all right. Let me try to let me try to say yeah. this. When any it's any time, it's like when when gay people when we were talking about gay rights and they mm-hmm. compared themselves to the black slaves, black you know black people did not like that, and I understood it. So. I I just feel like each layer you get like this specific layer we're talking about, which is uh, saying being a white person saying I identify as black, you need to accept that. There's just a certain level of um, understanding that I have for it. You know, like I just, I, I as a white dude in New York with a great job, I'm like, I think they're wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, I don't, I can't understand what it's like being in their shoes. Having someone who they think has so much privilege try to say they they understand them. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally Where makes sense. Where if I see a woman that's like, I wanna be a guy, I would be like, cool, you're a guy now. <laughs> this is it. Nothing, there's no, I mean, the only issue you're gonna have is that you're, people are gonna say you're not really a guy, but. You know, there's right. no, there's no pain you need to know about. <laughs>
1: right. Well, there will we com- got a pretty easy. There will come this with works. discrimination. I mean, there's all these other things. But but yeah. like, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's like, yeah. So there's like the false. There's always these false analogies when people say like, oh, it's like this, and you're like, no, yeah. it's not. Just stop comparing. You know, yeah. Just, like, just it's not fair. There was, like, there was like some like billionaire oligarch who said, you know, if you change the carried interest rates, it'd be like Hitler invading Poland. <laughs> it's <was> like, um, <laughs> for, really for like, your like, dollar yeah, bills, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, It's like, all right, um, but. On the other hand, like the other side of it is like I think there has to be some sort of balance here because you get into this, um, this game of it. Sometimes it's not even like your own suffering; it's just historical suffering, right? You know that yeah. it's, it's that it's not even you personally, your family, or whatever, um, but rather you start. Reaching back into the archives, yeah, to to sort of find pain in documents, right? You know, and I don't, I don't know. Like on the one hand, I get it, sure, right? I one hundred percent get it uh, because why? Because there hasn't been an accounting for it, right? There there yeah. hasn't been a, a, a real accounting for it, so I one hundred percent get that. Um, on the other hand, a lot of the same people who argue that race is, you know, socially constructed category and it's totally fake and it's just made up to subjugate people, um, on you know, it's kind of like paradoxical, you yeah, know, you it. know. So yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know. To circle back, uh, I will say that's pretty disappointing that the um, magazine or the journal, or whatever. Kind of bitched out, like own up to it and just well, say we're defending our writer. That's that's her opinion, and and we stuck by it. Like, I think that's some that that's part of the problem. It's like it's a great argument. You're not wrong. Like, is it? Are people going to get mad? Of course, but isn't that what great news is about? Well, it's like it's striking a debate. Well, like, exactly. Why if, would you run from?
1: If it? If anything, I would imagine they published it thinking that wow, this is going to be provocative, and in, in in the best sense sure. of the word, it's going to provoke a reaction and there'll be a good debate and so on. Not an outcry to muzzle the author and perhaps to kill her. Right. You know, like that's like, it's just, I can't believe it. I mean, it's, it's outrageous, but, but that is also kind of the nature of the various student movements on campuses and stuff like that that are like, we don't want to hear it. You know, that just oh, he- hearing it itself is an assault, right? So the
0: left are the people going after the First Amendment. It's like they're not going after the specific law. They're just literally stopping people from talking. Yeah,
1: it's weird. It's, it's weird. very odd. And it's also very short-sighted. Very short-sighted. Right? Right. short-sighted.
0: That- Let <laughs> her talk. Who cares about Ann Cant-
1: Cantor? What is his
0: name? Coulter. Coulter.
1: Coulter. Who cares? I mean, if, if anything, you know, just... Protest outside, or, or don't it. or don't show up. Yeah, and have five people there. That's that's Let's throw that speaks egg. louder.
0: <laughs> Are we done? We're done. Yeah. We're done. Wow. There's, yeah. Well, yeah. good topic. Yeah. That that uh, that second topic is I'd like to, I'd like to talk. I'd like to have like some experts talk about that. That's you know we're talking about. It's, Something complicated. That is serious, it's complicated. it's a serious, complicated, great issue for people to be talking about. Yeah, it's complicated. All right, so next week. Next week. All right, next week we'll do it. No politics at the dinner table is produced by G. Baderoy. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are there and active. You we are. are. See you next week. See you next week.